Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program for you today, including special guest William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll be talking about what's going on in Capitol Hill. Michael Cannon is the author of Recovery and Unfulfilled Promises of Obamacare. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. He'll be joining us as well as Dr. Zudi Jasser. He's a medical doctor, a Republican candidate for Congress in Arizona, former U.S. Navy Lieutenant Commander and co-founder of the Muslim Reform Movement. We'll be looking forward to talk to Dr. Jasser about what's happening on the border and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life uh, by Design. It is February the 9th, and on this day in 1971, pitcher Leroy Satchel Page became the first Negro League veteran to become nominated for the Baseball Hall of Fame. In August of that year, Page, a pitching legend known for his fastball, showmanship, and longevity as a player, which spanned five decades, by the way, was inducted. Joe DiMaggio once called Page the best and fastest pitcher I ever faced. That's big praise there. Page was born in Mobile, Alabama, most likely on July the 7th, 1906, although the exact date remains a mystery. He earned his nickname Satchel as a boy when he earned money carrying uh, passengers' bags at train stations. Baseball was segregated when Page started playing baseball professionally in the 1920s, so he spent most of his career pitching for the Negro League teams around the United States. During the winter season, he pitched for teams in the Caribbean and Central and South America. As a barnstorming player who uh, traveled thousands of miles each year and played for whichever team met his asking price, he pitched an estimated, now get this, 2,500 games, had 300 shutouts and 55 no-hitters. In one month in 1935, he reportedly pitched in, uh, th- uh, let's see, what was it? He pitched 29 consecutive games. Unbelievable. In 1947, Jackie Robinson broke baseball's color barrier and became the first African-American to play in the American Leagues when he joined the Brooklyn Dodgers. The following year, Page also entered the majors, signing with the Cleveland Indians and becoming, at age 42, baseball's oldest rookie. He helped the Guardians win the, uh, should be the, actually Cleveland Indians at the time, won the pennant that year and later played for the St. Louis Browns and Kansas City A's. Page retired from baseball in 1953, but he returned in 1965 to pitch three innings for the Kansas City A's. He was 59 at the time and made his oldest person ever to play Major League Baseball. In addition to being famous for his talent and longevity, Page was well-known for his sense of humor and colorful observations about life, including Don't Look Back, Somebody Might Be Gaining on You, and Age Isn't a quest- is, a ma- uh, is a Question of Mind Over Matter. If you don't mind, it just doesn't matter, <laughs> said Satchel Page. He died in 1982 in, in Kansas City, Missouri. What a great pitcher. What a great performance. Too bad he couldn't play in uh, the major leagues. <clears throat> uh, because of segregation, unfortunately. 
Well, stocks ticked up, putting the uh, S&P 500 over the 5,000-point milestone for the first time as more strong companies' earnings uh, started to pour in. Uh, Yesterday, the Supreme Court heard arguments over whether former President Donald Trump's role in the events of January 6 made him ineligible, excuse me, for public office under the 14th Amendment's uh, Insurrection Clause. Section 3 of the amendment bars former uh, officers of the United States who take an oath to support the Constitution but then participate in insurrection from public office. Uh, Trump's defense teams have advanced various arguments, including that he didn't personally participate in storming the U.S. Capitol, and the president is not an officer, among other challenges. Justices appeared skeptical of efforts to remove him from the ballot. In particular, they questioned whether a ruling against Trump would effectively allow individual states to determine nationwide elections and whether executing the clause required congressional action. The current case stems from the Colorado challenge that the uh, decision could affect ever other efforts in uh, Maine and at least 11 other states. The timing for the ruling is unclear, but when you listen to the arguments, the oral arguments and what ha- transpired, even the most liberal of judges on the Supreme, I think will uh, support uh, President Donald Trump being on the ballot. Well, uh, Joe Biden gave a rare, unexpected press conference Thursday night, last night, in which he blamed his staff for mishandling classified documents and snapped at reporters' questions. He was clearly angry and upset. There's no question about that. The president delivered remarks Thursday evening in response to a special counsel report on his handling of classified documents. Biden's address comes after special counsel Robert Hur concluded his investigation by de- declining to press charges despite stating that Biden had, in fact, mishandled classified documents. Biden pinned the findings on his staff. I take responsibility for not having seen exactly what my staff was doing, he said. Things that appeared in my garage, things that came out of my home, things that were moved, were moved not by me, but by my staff. My staff, he continued. Can you believe that? Throwing his staff under the bus. The report noted that during an interview with Biden, he forgot what, uh, when his term as vice president began and ended and uh, when his son Bo died. The president shot down claims that he had forgotten his son's death and responded to language in the report that characterized him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. So Robert Hur let him off the hook by not convic- uh, indicting him with these comments, but he didn't advance Joe, uh, Joe's re-election aspirations. Calling to invoke the 25th Amendment or uh, echoing social media uh, following the the report by Special Counsel Hur, who said President Joe Biden had severe cognitive disabilities. Once Biden opened the door by the, for the press conference questions, reporters began peppering him with inquiries about his memory and mental acuity. Uh, Peter Ducey from Fox asked Biden, how bad is your memory? My memory is so bad I let you speak, Biden said in an attempt at humor. My memory is fine. Take a look what I've done since I've become president. And uh, my goodness, that rhetorical question <laughs> or thought reminds me of all the nonsense that this president's been up to. Uh, Biden uh, reached his most heated when he, another reporter began to ask questions about American people's concern about his mental state, a, a premise that is backed by vast amounts of polling. This is your judgment. That's your judgment. This is not judgment of the press. <laughs> He said to one of the members of the press, which makes no sense, but Biden shouted back at her. He then mistakenly referred to Egyptian President uh, El Sisi as the president of Mexico. It's pretty pathetic. 
actually, documents related to U.S. foreign policy in Afghanistan and had written notes, entries concerning sensitive national security matters were recovered by FBI agents at Biden's Wilmington, Delaware estate. Her cited the uh, DOJ policy surrounding prosecuting a president to justify his decision not to press charges against Biden. The classified documents span from Biden's career in the Senate all the way back to his vice presidency with, with uh, former President Barack Obama. The handwritten notes Biden uh, took during the Obama administration frequently covered materials from daily briefings and national security meetings. He came across as a bitter, angry old man. <clears throat> Very sad sight indeed. I think it kind of opened up, uh, not the question about... Uh, He's certainly not going to be convicted, but it certainly raises questions about the 25th Amendment and whether it should be invoked. Well, the other big news was uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin can't remember the last time he spoke with U.S. counterpart Joe Biden, had a personal relationship with his predecessor Donald Trump, and reckons his country's full-scale invasion of Ukraine could end in a few weeks if the West would just stop helping Kiev uh, defend itself. These nuggets of Putin think emerged from a two-hour, we watched the entire thing last night, hotly anticipated interview that Russian president granted to Tucker Carlson, which was published in his website yesterday at 6 p.m. When asked if Carlson uh, about the possibility of uh, peace in Ukraine, <clears throat> Putin said, if you really want to stop fighting, you need to stop supplying weapons, referring to Western aid to Kiev. It will be over within a few weeks. That's it, he said. Speaking of the goals in which he called the special military operation in Ukraine, Putin said he had not yet been achieved those goals because one of his aims is denazification. Putin expanded on what he meant by that. This means the prohibition of all kinds of neo-Nazi movements. We have to get rid of those people who maintain this concept and support this practice and try and preserve it, he said. Asked about what he, uh, he last spoke to U.S. President Joe Biden, Putin said, I cannot remember when I talked to him, adding that the last two spoke uh, before the February 2022 uh, invasion of Ukraine. Carlson never mentioned former President Donald Trump by name, but Putin did. I had such a personal relationship with Trump, he said, adding he also had a personally, he liked George W. Bush. Asked for his thoughts on X. Owner uh, Elon Musk, Putin said he was remembered, remembered to have implanted a chip in a human brain, adding, I think he's, there's no stopping Elon Musk. He'll do what he sees fit. Asked about Evan uh, Gershovich, the 32-year-old Wall Street Journal correspondent who had been in a pretrial detention for almost a year on espionage charges, allegations that he and his employer have strongly rebuffed. Putin said the two countries had no had special services were in contact with one another and that there was no taboo in settling this issue. He's not a journalist, I reiterate. He's a journalist who is secretly getting confidential information, Putin said, in answer to Carlson's uh, objections that Gershkovich is clearly not a spy. Putin then, without mentioning him by name, referred to a case of Vladimir Kasikov, a Russian FSB agent currently serving life sentence in Germany. So uh, it was such an interesting interview. And he, he spent the first third of the times, two hours, he must have spent 40 minutes talking about Russian history and the history of, of uh, Ukraine, going back to the 800s, going back to the Middle Ages. It was a really fascinating discussion. I applaud uh, Tucker Carlson for what he did, and I also uh, think... He was very courageous in, in doing this interview. Lots of feedback and lots of uh, splashback on him and 
Oppelbaum, an American journalist and historian, has accused Carlson of being a propagandist with a history of being uh, helping autocrats conceal con- corruption. Uh, sounds like sour apples to me, green apples to me. Anyhow, thank you, Tucker Carlson. Great contribution uh, to uh, uh, you know to all of us because we're spending billions of dollars of tax dollars in Ukraine. The question is, uh, what are we getting for it? I think uh, he helps shed light on who Putin is and what he's all about. Uh, Marianne Williamson, by the way, suspended her bid for the Democrat presidential nomination. In a video message announced at the end of her campaign, Williamson thanked her supporters and said, we did what we uh, could to shed light on some very darkened times. For that, I will always be grateful. As of Wednesday, she averaged 6.5% support, according to Real Clear Politics. Uh, placing 65.8% behind Biden, but ahead of Minnesota Democrat Representative uh, Dean Phillips. Well, Israeli uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday rejected counterproposal from Hamas for a ceasefire and hostage release plan, saying that Israel would continue its military operations in Gaza until an absolute victory is reached within against Hamas. Uh, Israel claimed that he had dismantled 18 of Hamas's 24 battalions so far and is preparing to move its forces to Rafah, near Egypt's border, where hundreds of thousands of displaced Palestinians have been residing. <clears throat> I, I just encourage, not that, he need, not that he needs my encouragement, but Netanyahu just stick by his guns and uh, don't listen to the Americans trying to talk him out of his objective. He needs definitely to defeat uh, a complete victory over Hamas. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. 
The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. Uh, PacificLegal.org is the website. I hope you check it out. Great organization. So, William, uh, last night, lots happened, and uh, let's just start off with the Her Report, uh, which kind of absolved, it didn't absolve... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Biden from uh, responsibility, but basically said that he's such a doddering old fool that we're not going to convict him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, alas, Um, uh, that's not too far off. Um, Indeed, it was a good news, one of these good news, very bad news type of situations for uh, the president. On the one hand, yes, her decline to bring charges. On the other hand, the report attendant to, to this whole process, a 324-odd-page report, I believe. Um, uh, it, it was, quote-unquote, devastating, as mm-hmm. described by Washington Post. And that's for two reasons. Um, one, the report concludes that uh, the president did indeed willfully violate classified documents, regulations, and laws, uh, in particular sharing classified information with a ghostwriter. And, of course, this will undercut uh, any political use that Biden had made and then would make it the future regarding Trump's uh, contretemps or his current litigation over classified filings. I mean, that is to say, when Biden, before all this, before all his own classified problems broke out, when he called Trump totally irresponsible um, for the Mar-a-Lago documents in Broglio, uh, that's this certainly this this finding by her that he willfully violated the law. Um, undercuts that and makes it look somewhat foolish. Mm -hmm. But more importantly was the reason why, despite finding a willful violation of the law, that her declined to prosecute. And this is something you hinted at, and it's something that's been all over the news, but uh, it was because, quote, he is uh, an elderly man with a poor memory, unquote, Mm -hmm. and her didn't think the charges would stick. Um, So that is a searing indictment of the president's capabilities And, you know, it's one of those things where, on the one hand, if indeed the president's memory is in this state, as depicted by her, that's alarming enough. 
On the other hand, if he was trying to wiggle or weasel his way out of any legal liability by pretending um, that he didn't remember things and uh, perhaps thereby infuriated the prosecutor, uh, I don't know. Either way, it is uh, not a, a, a favorable indication of the president. I mean, it makes him, it, it's a very, it's a searing report. It is indeed. Did you see the press conference last night that he held? I did indeed. You know, that was uh, to me. He came out. He was angry and emotional. Uh, he he was he was, it just was very bad political judgment on his part to even uh, attempt to do something like that at the time, in my opinion. And it just raises questions about uh, whether we should invoke the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Oh well, good gravy! I certainly uh, wouldn't go that far um, at this at this point, um, and I don't think at any point. I mean, the the destabilizing effects of any such maneuver are I'm loath to even contemplate, especially given that this is 2024 and we're in an election year and mm. the people can make up their minds soon enough. Um, uh, so uh, I'm personally speaking, I wouldn't, um, uh, that's not on the table by any stretch of the imagination for what I'm thinking, but it is, it's a very, it's an alarming report. I mean, mm. it, 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 if it is indeed the case that the president was not prosecuted because of his faulty memory, um, that's a, a difficult realization for me as a citizen, given that he's the commander-in-chief. Indeed. So let's move to the Supreme Court uh, review of uh, the 14th Amendment, the Colorado claim. Uh, it was just so interesting to listen to the judges banter about and talk about this case. What are your thoughts? Indeed. So I'll note here, it's a fool's errand to prognosticate the Supreme Court, to read too much into the oral arguments. However, um, it did appear that uh, at least eight justices are highly skeptical of this argument that uh, state officials under the third section of the 14th Amendment uh, can, in effect, disqualify their political opponents um, from running in their state. And as I've spoken before, um, regardless of the constitutional law that goes in uh, to this decision-making, it's really the ramifications that scare me. I mean, this is a Pandora's box were it to become a new norm. So uh, personally speaking, I'm pleased to, to witness the Supreme Court's evident skepticism of Colorado's power in this instance. Um, but we'll see. We'll see indeed. Uh, before I let you go, I wonder if you have make any comments and thoughts about Congress and the immigration foreign uh, aid bill that uh, has been bantered about in the Senate. It is a remarkable failure. It, it's, uh, I can't believe they spent three months negotiating a bill behind closed doors that ended up having so little support in their own party. And I'll just note here, I've noted this in a number of prior Fridays, it's an indictment of this modern lawmaking that takes place behind closed doors, is not a, a function of regular order, does not involve all sorts of deliberation. Um, and this is the sort of results you get when you sort of foist a bill upon all the other lawmakers um, without their input. So it's, I think, an indictment of, of Congress's lack of commitment to regular order. And uh, here's to hoping that changes. Oh, I agree with that. And it also, I think, I just, James Lankford was, has been promoted to me as being one of the brightest in, in the Senate. And yet, uh, he, he, he must be out of touch with the American people because to come up with something that would suggest and almost legalize illegal immigration, to me, is just beyond the pale. It's just uh, unbelievable that something like that could be proposed. He, oh, I'm torn on this one because I, I think James Lankford is one of the finest lawmakers. 
I think he's a wonderful human being, and I generally give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, I will say, however, here, I do think he erred. I mean, the, the fact is, after three months of negotiation, if your bill lands with such a thud in your own party, it is indicative of a flawed effort. So notwithstanding my personal affinity for Senator Lankford, uh, I do think he dropped the ball in this case, but we all make mistakes. Indeed. Again, William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. I hope you check out the website, pacificlegal.org, pacificlegal.org. William, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He's Director of Health Policy Studies and the author of Recovery and the Unfulfilled Promises of Obamacare, Obamacare. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show. Are you seeking new customers or contacts for your business? Why not promote your business to our loyal listeners? Join Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, the Collier Senior Center, Lulabee's Diner, and many others who've been advertising on the show, in many cases, for years. The rates are reasonable, and there's no required long-term commitments or contracts. Let me help you promote your business to our loyal listeners here on The Bob Harden Show. Visit the website, bobharden.com, or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. That's bobharden at hotmail.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett. 
candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Election. Tim's a, a 35-year re resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute and also author of Recovery and the Unfulfilled Promises of Obamacare. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. So I understand uh, it's uh, news is broken that... Uh, States like Washington State are apparently using uh, funds for the pandemic, if, as I understand it, for uh, for providing housing for the homeless. What What are your thoughts? Well, it, it would be one thing if they're using the pandemic money for that. People in the states have been using pandemic money for all sorts of not pandemic related things, but states are also using their federal Medicaid dollars mm. to pay for housing and lots of things that are not Medicaid, that are not medical care. You, uh, you know, Bob, that the Medicaid program is a joint federal and state program. Right. Where the, the, for every $10 the program spends, on average, states chip in $3 and the federal government chips in 7 And the way it works is whenever the state chips in $3, the federal government chips in another seven on average. It depends on who they're spending the money on and, and how wealthy a state we're talking about. But that's the average. And it creates an incentive for states to spend more and more money on the Medicaid program so they can just get more and more money from the federal government. Mm. And it has got, reached a point where this is now an $800 billion program mm. and, uh, and, and still growing. And where, uh, where states are using the Medicaid program to pay for non-medical uh, uh, items uh, that, so that the state legislators themselves won't have to raise all of the taxes to fund all of the big government programs that they want to fund. And in this case, what a lot of states are doing is they're using that Medicaid money to pay for housing for the homeless. The Biden administration has to approve it, but the Biden administration is approving these waivers for the Medicaid program to do that left and right. That's just unbelievable. In a sense, it's a way to print money by the states. They basically are receiving this money from Medicaid. They're saying, well, let's use it for another purpose. And for whatever purpose we use it, we're going to get another $7 for each $3 that we spend. That's borders on criminal, in my opinion. And it happens all the time in the Medicaid program. Now, uh, Traditionally, what states have done is they've used shell games to, to, to try to uh, uh, to try to game that matching grant system, as we call it, so that they will pretend to spend a dollar on Medicaid, mm -hmm. pull or say three dollars on Medicaid, pull down that seven dollars from the federal government, but then they'll tax the three dollars back from the hospitals or whoever so that they'll be getting $7 from the federal government for free, for nothing, without putting any state money forward. And then they'll be able to spend uh, some of that money on roads or police. Uh, and so the Medicaid, and, and that, that's been going on for as long as the Medicaid program has been around. And it's a scam. 
the federal government has tried to cut down on it, and they've had only modest success. But now they're just abandoning the pretense of using that money for medical care. And the Biden administration is approving these waivers uh, for about 19 states to use federal Medicaid dollars for non-medical items. And in California, that's amounting to about $12 billion mm-hmm. that the state is going to be spending on, uh, on housing. And there are much, and, and Bob, we should note, there are other things that the state should be doing yeah. to, to uh, promote housing. Housing is too expensive. There are too many homeless people. But the, the solution to that is not to raid a health insurance program. The solution to that is to get rid of the government regulations that are preventing people from building new affordable housing. Well, and I've got to imagine that, too, this is going to illegal immigrants that are being housed as well. So in a sense, we've got federal taxpayers funding uh, uh, people that are coming into these sanctuary cities and states, and uh, we're providing the funding for those states to pay for it. Again, if you get rid of the regulations that are uh, preventing people from building affordable housing, then you de- you help to defuse the issue, and it, rather than providing housing to those immigrants uh, that the taxpayer is funding, you defuse the issue of immigration. Immigration would be a much less contentious issue in this country if uh, the government were not forcing people to uh, subsidize immigrants uh, by, and essentially clean up the government the mess the government itself made when it made housing so expensive, when it made health care so expensive, when it made education so expensive. You know, here in Florida, I know the governor has just worked with the, the legislature in, in order to pass a law that would uh, pre- prevent people from living in homeless camps uh, in the streets and that kind of thing. And basically saying everybody would have to enroll in a program if you're homeless or if you're in food need or addicted or whatever it might be in a program that will, number one, get you back on your feet, but number two, hold you accountable for not taking drugs and for doing things that will help you become more productive and a member of the uh, community. And this is a funny irony of uh, uh, this uh, proposal or these programs, the national proposals, to have Medicaid pay for people's housing expenses. The Trump administration tried to require Medicaid enrollees to work if they wanted to get Medicaid subsidies. We're talking about able-bodied enrollees here. And they have, but the law says that you have to spend Medicaid dollars on things that will promote health. So the Trump administration had to make an argument that requiring people to work will improve their health. And a lot of people who said, that a lot of people who opposed that idea said, no, 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 that's an abuse of the Medicaid program. That's not going to improve people's health. But some of those same people are now saying uh, it, giving people housing will improve their health. Uh, and supporting the Biden administration's uh, efforts to spend Medicaid dollars on that. So uh, it seems that both arguments seem you know, equally plausible to me. But it was interesting that, uh, that one side, the political left in this country, is uh, not is willing to credit uh, something with improving health if it expands government spending, All right. but not if it reduces the size of government. Well, you just can't make this stuff up. Again, Michael Cannon, take a look at his new book, Recovery and the Unfulfilled Promises of Obamacare. Uh, and again, Michael is the Director of Health Policy Studies 
at the Cato Institute, C-A-T-O dot org. Michael, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure, Bob. But though, if they Google that subtitle, they might get some of my other work, but they might not get my latest book. It, it's Recovery, A Guide to Reforming the U.S. Health Sector. Oh, so sorry about that, Michael. Thank you again for coming on the show. Well, that coming up, we're going to be visiting with... Uh, I tell you, just a great man, in my opinion. He's Dr. Zudi Jassa, the author of The Battle for the Soul of Islam. He's heavily into the Muslim reform movement, separation of uh, mosque and state, and uh, look forward to having him on the show. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their elected offices. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now, we have with us Dr. Zudi Jasser. He is a, uh, a medical doctor. He's a, f- a former U.S. Navy uh, lieutenant commander. He's been very active in the mu- Muslim reform movement. Uh, and uh, his book, uh, The Battle for the Soul of Islam, is just a great read. And he's uh, specializing in national security, counterterrorism, and Mideast policy, uh, and also a candidate for Congress 
in the 4th District in Arizona. Dr. Jaster, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's always great to be with you. It's always great to be with you, Bob. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure, Dr. Jasser. And uh, tell us, how's the campaign going? Oh, it's going fantastic. Uh, we uh, closed a, a great first quarter. As you know, we launched in October, and uh, our quarter ended uh, end of December. And uh, we have a, uh, uh, a few primary challengers, but the main one uh, actually ran last time, lost by 12 points, and uh, we outraised them last quarter by five times uh, and actually raised in one quarter more than he raised all of last year, so uh, we hit the. We, we not only made a splash, but uh, they know uh, they have a challenge, and um, we have a. We're significantly positioned to win this district. It's a split that actually that favors Republicans by one uh, percent, uh, with predominantly independents registered. So, as you know, with my background, uh, with my ability to create coalitions, but also speak to conservative values, and as far as the border and other things. This week, uh, with the with the border uh, disaster that was uh, presented by the Democrats, uh, I was uh, a leading voice here in presenting a, a coherent plan, an eight-point plan, uh, that uh, really Greg Stanton, who supported the Democrat uh, border presentation, uh, really uh, shows that he really doesn't care about Arizonans, doesn't care about uh, the law, and actually just wants to care more about foreign migrants than he does about our own citizens. So... Candidacy is, I think they are telling me, a breath of fresh air. And as you know, we've uh, had a lot of street credibility with our, my willingness to walk towards fires rather than away from them. Absolutely. Well, and any any comments at all on the fairness of elections in Arizona? It's been a big issue for the next uh, last four years. Well, there's no that, uh, you know, election integrity is one of the top issues of the campaign here. And uh, all I can tell you is that uh, we want uh, conservative voters to turn out so that we can elect people that can uh, hold our electorate, uh, hold our leaders accountable and push back against the establishment that want to manipulate the system. Remember, election integrity is not just about counting every vote, which is primary, but also about uh, the media manipulation, about uh, suppressing information Mm -hmm. before elections, uh, about manipulation of uh, major you know, social media, other things that we saw right before the elections last time. So, you know, our plan to bring back election integrity includes not only counting every vote, but also preventing government interference and, and big media interference on the left, as we saw with Twitter and Google and others that were really helping became, uh, uh, you know, unearned media for the Democratic Party, if you will, yeah. that needs to be uh, exposed exposed during the election process, and that's what we're doing. I hope you check out uh, Dr. Jasser's uh, website uh, for Congress. It's z4az.com, z4az.com. Dr. Jasser is a medical doctor. Uh, yesterday, well, we saw, got the report. Uh, Robert Herr uh, stated that uh, well, there's certainly that uh, what Joe Biden has done in terms of uh, those documents and classified documents is not acceptable, but he kind of referred to him as a doddering old man and, you know, no uh, jury would convict him because he's just kind of incapable and uh, has cognitive issues. So I wonder if you'd be willing to comment. Well, you know, listen, I, I do primary care every day. Uh, actually, the vast majority of my patients are over 65. I adore them, and we walk with families down that uh, path in which patients begin to have some cognitive impairment. And this is not about... Uh, any armchair medical evaluations. This is about our country. And, uh, you know, I know they're talking, there's even, I think the New York Post had a headline about elder abuse. And actually, this is about abuse. This is the most 
protected human being on the planet. Right. It's about abuse of the of the American public. Do you know that in Arizona, I think in every state, let's not talk about politicians or heads of government. How about physicians? If we see another physician that's impaired before they go to surgery, whether it's from drugs or cognition or whatever, I am accountable as a physician to the other patients that aren't even my patients. If I don't report that physician that's cognitively impaired for whatever reason, mm -hmm. because then their patient is at risk. So when President Biden is behind the doors representing American public and deciding on interventions, he's being protected by folks that are complicit, complicit legally and ethically in basically facilitating a, a, a malpractice, if you will, uh, to the American public. And this is about capacity. It's about competency. And if you look at him, you don't need to be a physician to know that our emperor not only has no clothes, but he's careening down the streets naked and nobody is, is saying anything. And as a doctor, you see basically stiffening of his gait, a blank facies, um, confabulation, confusing historical figures with present figures, not remembering that. And you had objective. Now we finally have a legal report from somebody who was objective that had to basically say, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And you can't dismiss it because he's elderly. Imagine, Bob, if every citizen that didn't pay their taxes said, oh, you know what? I just couldn't remember anymore. My memory's getting bad. <laughs> yeah. and I, my dad couldn't do the calculation, so he didn't pay his taxes. They'd be in prison. It doesn't matter what the cause is. And yet the president seems to get a pass on all this. It's completely unethical and corrupt. It certainly is. And it, it's, uh, you know, the only saving grace is I just happen to believe, I don't think he's really uh, making these decisions at all. And he, it's the cabal behind him that I think there's, uh, has all the control. There's, <laughs> in some ironic way, that's kind of a saving grace, but irrespective, he's not qualified to be our president and he shouldn't be in office, uh, frankly. So what can we do about this? Well, I think we need to continue to push the issue, and uh, I hope the Democrat, Democratic Party itself mm -hmm. realizes that if they don't push it quickly, they're going to be the ones who negate, forget every vote. Uh, they're going to have no votes and end up switching a candidate after the primary process, so they're going to end up having a candidate that uh, really wasn't even voted by any of the members of their party if they don't do that earlier on in the primary. Already they've missed a few primaries, and uh, you have candidates like Phillips and others that are talking about it, uh, but at the end of the day, talk about negating the Democratic Party process, and uh, this needs to happen more quickly. And uh, we also need to uh, press it, not simply by asking questions, but by revealing the fact that, you know, this is the tip of the iceberg. When he confuses current French presidents with ones that are dead, like Mitterrand or German presidents, Cole or confuses Egypt with Mexico, uh, all these things that are happening, this is somebody whose neural function is going haywire, mm -hmm. and the American public is at stake, and, and, and our security is at stake as a result. And uh, his performance on the, uh, he should have never held that press conference last night, but he did. He was angry and upset, emotionally upset, and it was just a very embarrassing display of uh, uh, his incompetency. Yeah, and, you know, listen, I... I'm glad he held it. Imagine your surgeon comes out to you in the waiting room and says, well, I'm glad my colleague C. Everett Coop helped me out, you know, and the, the surgery went well. And you'd be like, wait a minute, Coop died uh, decades ago and he was President Reagan's surgeon general. Oh, yeah. So this is an important thing. But what happens behind the scenes, you know, we need to have more of this so that it becomes painfully obvious what's happening and we start to hold the people around him. I mean, the White House is not supposed to be a memory care center. 
Exactly right. Dr. Zudi Jasser, again, candidate for Congress in the 4th District of uh, Arizona. I hope you'll check out his website and make a contribution. I mean, money is the mother milk of politics. Z for AZ.com is the website. Z for AZ.com. He will be a terrific congressman. Dr. Judy, Zudi Jasser, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. Take care. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting... With Larry Bell, he is endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you'll visit the website and get some tickets. By the way, having its first performance in a brand new performing arts center in downtown Naples on November the 1st, check it all out at Gulf Shore Playhouse. Org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, a dad professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's the author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. Uh, he also writes his column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. I hope you check it out. Again, uh, Dr. Uh, Larry Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, Bob. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I want to talk to you a little about your uh, column on climate change and the carbon dioxide. But before we get into that, uh, news broke yesterday. It was just astounding, actually, that uh, <laughs> the, the uh, president, uh, the announcement of uh, Robert Hur's special counsel report on his interview with uh, Joe Biden, but also his 
uh, his uh, press conference that he, uh, last night. What are your thoughts? Well, there's an old adage that you can indict a ham sandwich. I guess we've now learned you can also elect one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know, it's. I think I think the only big question to ask is uh, that we haven't pretty much uh, re- talked about and realized for some time is now who are the Democrats going to run? And uh, because I, uh, there, there's kind of a. You know, there's 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 two two options with with Biden in a decision. One is that he's he, he's they say he's too he's too incompetent to see now to stand trial. But then again, if he's if he can't even stand trial, uh, how can he how can he be president and also commander in chief? You know, with his finger on the button of the you know, nuclear button and so on. So I think there's a real there's a real dilemma they have, and and I think it's a game changer because, you know, he, you know he's he was tanking in the polls. One would wonder if this release was, you know, the timing of it was to, uh, you know, kind of urge urge Biden to, uh, you know, to leave office and step down, or failing that, you know, the, uh, you know, the Twenty Fifth Amendment to remove him for. Mm-hmm. ability to serve but but in any case it leaves the issue of either, either of those options leave Kamala Harris as the heir apparent for the presidency and Democrats she's even polling lower than Biden is right now so so um, big question and then, and then we've talked before about whether Michelle is going to be the Hail Mary you know candidate switcheroo that's going to uh, bail him out. But, but she's a very polarizing figure. So I just, I just wonder uh, where all this is going. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine it's going this far without his Biden's handlers uh, not exposing the fact that, you know, they've, they've obviously known for a long time the guy's hitting on only about three cylinders. Right. And... Um, I think that's that's the that's probably the biggest scandal of all of how how the media and its handlers and the people behind the curtains have have uh, have attempted very successfully to cover for his senility and his bad judgment and his policies and so on. Such an interesting observation. I, I, I just wonder also, because he's a placeholder, as long as he has a pulse, I wonder if the cabal that stands behind him in his presidency, you're just going to be satisfied and okay with the Biden and just hope this blows over. Well, the problem they have, you know, I think the Kamala issue is everybody, I think everybody expects that. Even if he makes it, if Biden makes it through this term, prospects for him to make it through another term are, are slim to you know to nil, mm-hmm. and and uh, Kamala would be his you know would be the president, and that's a pretty grim thought for a lot of people. And uh, so so I think they've got to do. Democrats have to do something, and they're going to be forced to you know the, you know the the Biden corruption stuff is moving forward. Also, of course, with the impeachment inquiry, and then. On top of this, uh, you know the uh, obvious dichotomy between, you know, the the documents in Biden's garage versus the ones in Mar Mar Lago. Yeah, 
and 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 people see this in this this um, kangaroo court banana republic justice system, and I think in this terrifying and the border thing has got them running crazy right now because uh, even the Democrat mayors, you know, are having to uh, say, please give us money, you know, to house more of these migrants, and uh, of course, you know, the, the obvious question that they should be asking is, please close the border. Yeah. So it, it seems like everything's imploding. Um, it's not good for the country, but maybe it's, the country has needed a wake-up call, and in that regard, I think it's good for the country. I agree, uh, Professor, and uh, uh, it's just so sad to see what's going on right now. Uh, in the little time we have left, I was wondering if you could make the comments. I really appreciated your com- your column in Newsmax.com. Climate agenda makes vital CO2 a dangerous pollutant. It's just unbelievable. Now, uh, Professor Bell has written a couple of books on climate change, and they are just outstanding. He wasn't funded. He just made his own observations, and they are quite interesting. Scared Witless, the Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom is his latest on climate change. Professor, what are your thoughts? Well, I, you know, I've been writing about this for a dozen years, and and lately I've been writing some comments just to remind people of what we've known for a long time with the, the obvious scandals of Climate Gate and the cooking of the books on, on climate and so on, and how, how really Enron, you know, did a big push on, on climate because because they uh, they had large natural gas pipeline business and they they needed some kind of excuse to go after coal so they used climate and because the owner was pushing the Kyoto Protocol at that time so and there's a lot of there's a lot of history that that we've written about in the past but sort of been forgotten it gets. Uh, you know, bull, you know, bulldozed by you know all the uh, alarmism and so on, and it's got a very murky uh, past. And right now, there's this court case with Michael Mann who cobbled together this big alarmist so-called hockey stick chart that shows that supposed to show that you know that the climate was just on fire, and and he's been suing everybody that that uh, takes issue with him, and that's in court now. I think that's going to any bankrupted. Uh, good friend of mine who made a, a snippet remark about that and in a lawsuit the judge ordered man to pay i don't think he ever paid him and tim ball died you know with his life savings drained ah. so, so it's it's ugly it's been it's been ugly for a very long time and it's a uh, it's absolutely scandalous that the scientific so-called scientific community has has been uh, you know not not honest with us in this. Indeed, I mean carbon dioxide is plant food for crying out loud. And the more we have, the more lush and green our Earth is. And uh, it's this is such a farce. I'm going to encourage our listeners to read the complete column. Go to Newsmax.com and check out Professor Bell's column on point. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm always afraid we'll violently agree. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we've got some great guests for Monday's show as well. 
including uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. John Miltimore is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several murder mysteries. He'll be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>